This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. In the squadron, they called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Do you remember when... Donald Trump first started calling Joe Biden Sleepy Joe Biden. I didn't think it was the greatest nickname in the world. I mean, I knew he wasn't, uh, I don't know, I, I, there was nothing about him that seemed sleepy. But it, I, I grew to like it, you know, but it wasn't a literal description. He is literally Sleepy Joe Biden. Literally at sleep, in sleep, deep sleep during this moment of crisis. Where the hell is he? Uh, not seen on Sunday, not seen on Monday. A little uh, phony statement. He said a couple of words on Saturday. Empty words, in my opinion. He's about to make a big speech. Ooh. Uh, all the networks are poised, standing by. We're any moment now. He will take the stage uh, at the White House and and say something. Try to pretend he's some sort of a leader. Well, the world is on fire right now, in uh, large part thanks to Joe Biden. The Afghanistan loss, uh, our dithering and green light, the Ukraine, uh, the Iran uh, gullibility that we have, giving that country every break in the book, giving them all this kind of money, unfreezing assets, aid, you name it. Um, it's just we are teetering on the brink, the world, and also here at home. I can't believe all these crazy people out there. Uh, I guess it's really popular among uh, young liberals, right, especially. But young liberals are running the Democrat Party right now to be uh, woke and to be anti-Israel, i.e. anti-Semitic and pro-Hamas, pro-Palestinian uh, extremism. This is bad, bad stuff. And Larry Summers, the president of Harvard University, I like this guy, actually. I eh, He's kind of a klutz, and he's been around for a while, but he's also a total brainiac. Youngest professor in the history of Harvard. I think they made him a full professor at the age of like 24. I uh, became treasury secretary later. Happens to be Jewish. Happens to be very pro-Israel. And he is appalled by what he's seeing on Harvard's campus and campuses across the country. It is so in right now, uh, sickeningly, to be anti-Semitic, anti-Jewish. It's uh, this country. You know, what's that phrase? Never again. Never again. Well, it could happen again. I mean, we have an entire, I mean, movement right now that wants to exterminate Jews. This is not over territory. This is not about some mosque. I've seen BB do this. I'm going to try. I'm going to try to find the first time I ever saw him do this. He, he takes a great big map of the Middle East and he takes his hands and he's like, I want to show everybody something. This is the Arab world. And he puts his hand like one hand here, 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 one hand here. Finally covers the whole map. And let me show you Israel, half of one finger, right? Half of one finger. And they won't even give him that land. There's something very, very evil afoot here. All right. Now, right now, what's happening over there, um, the Israelis have kind of regained uh, the battlefield. All right. They're in control right now. Uh, they're pummeling the hell out of Gaza. 
military targets in Gaza. Anything that could help the terrorists in Gaza is being destroyed, and that's awesome. It should be happening. There are a hell of a lot more rockets coming into Gaza and bombs from uh, airplanes, from uh, artillery shell, you name it, they're firing it into Gaza. Now, surprisingly to me, and I, I I say this as a pilot, I used to bomb stuff all the time. I used to, but air war and air campaign can't win the actual battle, which I'm still surprised by. You can you know, B-52 strikes, you could carpet bomb something, right? And they're still going to come out of the caves and be able to fight. So sooner or later, you got to send in troops and they're poised for a major ground invasion of Gaza. That could get really ugly. Yeah. Again, you could bomb it all day long, all night long. Hey, remember the Gulf War, Gulf War one? The air campaign lasted about six weeks. Uh, there was desert shield and then there was desert storm and it was night after night after night, kind of that shock and awe stuff pounding away at all those targets, Baghdad, you name it. And six weeks of that. And then the ground invasion started. It was over in a hundred hours or something like that. Yeah, it was basically a four day war, but you have to ultimately put in uh, troops. You can't win a war with air power alone. And so that's going to happen. And it could be really, really ugly or it could be really, really easy. Who knows? They may be eager to uh, surrender at that point. There will be booby traps. They got to contend with. Hey, we can't forget these hostages and these total barbarians in Hamas. Yeah, have you seen what I've seen? They're, they're shoot, I mean, they're shooting dogs. All right. <laughs> they're burning down houses, women and children. Now I've seen, I have not seen the children. I, I've seen pictures of them in happier times. I am told that they have abducted children. I believe the reports. I have not seen it with my own eyes. I have seen them throw women in the back of trucks, like, uh, you know, just putting a bunch of cargo back there, you know, just, throwing them in there like they're things, not people. Just horrific. And we believe they're underground in Gaza. Now, that complicates things immensely. How do we get them out? Now, you know who's really good at that? Um, Well, Netanyahu. Quite frankly, it's in his blood. It's in Netanyahu's family's blood to rescue hostages. What am I talking about? Um, Who remembers the raid on Entebbe? Anybody hear of the raid on Entebbe? It was a famous case back in the mid-1970s. A plane was hijacked. I think it was an LL jet out of Israel. A bunch of Palestinian radicals uh, commandeered the plane, hijacked it, and first they landed in Greece, and then they landed in Libya with all kinds of demands. Let these people go. We want this. We want that. Uh, and then they took off again. Still, the plane is hijacked. Uh, and they flew to Uganda. Uganda. And who was in charge of Uganda back then? Idi, Idi, Idi Amin. That's how they used to say his name over there. Idi Amin Dada. Remember that great big fat guy who ran Uganda? He was totally crazy. I mean, he was a cannibal. He was uh, kind of this a larger than life figure. And he embraced the hijackers because he was such a criminal, just a total madman. Uh, so Idi Amin, and they have the hostages there in Uganda and Israel, they start planning, or they were planning. They said, we got to get our people back. And they had the famous raid on Entebbe. I think it was like 1976. And what they did, they went in there with C-130 propeller planes, great big propeller planes, and they painted it, and they put cars inside the uh, inside the plane painted like Uganda 
officials, right? The plane was painted like it was part of the Uganda Air Force. They put Uganda flags on the, which I think, by the way, it's a great big black duck on the Uganda flag or some sort of like weird, weird bird. Um, not an eagle. It's just like this very strange flag. A lot of the African countries have very odd flags. Angola has a great big AK-47 on the flag. Anyway, they go in there. They fake out the Ugandan guards. They get all of the hostages except for one. And the leader of the raid, the lead, the head Israeli commando is shot and killed. And his name was Jonathan Netanyahu, the 33-year-old brother of Benjamin Netanyahu. Isn't that cool? I mean, that is a world-famous operation. I did not know that until yesterday. Uh, Jonathan Netanyahu, total hero, brother of Benjamin, and he got the hostages out. And uh, that was an awesome, that really set the standard for rescue operations. And so I think it's really, they're really fortunate that a guy like Bibi, that's his nickname, Bibi, is in charge. Um, I was talking to somebody yesterday, you know, you heard he went to, uh, well, actually, uh, uh, John McLaughlin told us he, he knows him pretty well. He went to high school in New Jersey, went to Massachusetts Institute of Technology. He uh, actually worked in a furniture store in New Jersey. He knows America so well. Of course, he knows his beloved Israel very well. He's very, very tough, very, very smart. He's a military man. And yeah, they come at him like they come after Trump with all kinds of fake charges, this and that. Um, but he is a good guy to have in charge right now. And it should be a lesson to all of us, all of us. We don't have time. Our government does not have time to be screwing around with things that aren't real. White supremacy, January 6th, right? Knock yourselves out. We are so distracted. Once again, we put ourselves at great risk talking about all of these things that don't matter, that are fake, that are phony, and terrorists are entering our country. A lot of these Hamas fanatics, Hezbollah, Iran, you name it, they're coming in over that southern border. We're very, very vulnerable, more vulnerable than at any time since September 11th. At any time, something huge, something cataclysmic can happen in this country at any moment. The Biden team, they let it happen. This country is slipping away. The world is slipping away. Hey, wasn't it incredible? Donald Trump, did you see that clip? I, I'll play it for you in a little bit. Donald Trump predicted all of this, all of this back in um, August, after we gave the $6 billion to Iran, unfro- unfroze the assets. Uh, it was, well, the, we knew this was going to happen. We knew it was going to happen. So we're standing by for Joe Biden. I am, uh, and by the way, Eric is still having the time of his life. Eric Adams running around having the time of his life. He's enjoying this stuff, wearing his suit, giggling all the time. Bad, bad guy. When is the Biden administration going to clean house? This guy, I find this, I mean, it's like the captain of the Titanic. I haven't had to deal with ice since last winter. Listen to this. This is Jake Sullivan. He's the national security advisor to the president of the United States. All right. And he's at some seminar. Why do these guys go to seminar? I mean, shouldn't you be, like, guarding the country full-time? You see these guys out. You see them at dinner in New York. They go to fancy restaurants. They go to the Aspen Institute. You're the national security advisor to the president. Advise him. Stay in the White House. Don't be gallivanting all over the place. Jake Sullivan, national security advisor, in August, cut nine. The war in Yemen is in its 19-month of truce. 
For now, the Iranian attacks against U.S. forces have stopped. Our presence in Iraq is stable. I emphasize for now because all of that can change. And the Middle East region is quieter today than it has been in two decades. Well, I guess mission accomplished, huh? <laughs> he goes on to say, I don't have to do anything. I don't have, I don't have to work on Middle East issues, not nearly as hard as previous administrations had to work on them. Well, you should have been working on them. You should have been working on them. They took their eye off the ball. They actually say with a straight face that uh, white supremacists are a threat to national security. Last week, Joe Biden gave a major speech about white supremacy and MAGA Republicans and what a threat we are to democracy. You know what a threat is to democracy? Uh, Hamas, Islamic fascist terrorists, okay? Piling women and children. You know what? White supremacists, even at their very, very worst, they don't do that. I hate white supremacists. There are about six of them in the country. They're off in the woods. The moment they break the law, please, please, please arrest them. But let's not pretend there's something they're not, all right? And let's get, I don't want to hear anything else about January 6th. Oh, what a disgraceful person, this Cassidy Hutchinson. You know, her book, remember the girl with the white suit and came out and everybody was like, ooh. Uh, she said really nothing. Um, she badmouths everybody. She badmouths her family. She badmouths uh, her colleagues. She's, <coughs> excuse me, badmouths everything MAGA. And she's this, uh, you know, she's this little angel her book is the number one book in the country. Can you believe that? Debuts at number one. Um, dangerous and weird. And kind of, quite frankly, infuriating to a guy who wrote a serious book as opposed to her lies. Oh, I'm a little bit behind. I will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, Joe was supposed to speak at 1 o'clock. They made a really big deal about that. 1 o'clock. What happened? Did he fall down? Did he trip and fall? Uh, I know he can get up. He's got people around to help him with that. Uh, you know, there are lots of people who think he has a body double. You've heard that, right? Um, I think there's a 2% chance that that's true. <laughs> I think there's a 2% chance that that's true. I've seen enough video. I've seen weird things with the earlobe, right? One guy has, uh, well, one guy. In one picture, Joe Biden has an earlobe that, like, is not attached to the ear. You know, like, there's a little droop, a little bit of a, you know, you know what I'm talking about? The earlobe kind of drops, and you can, like, take it and wiggle it. And the other one, there's no real, it just connects the cartilage. There's no real separate does that make any sense? I, it makes sense. Okay. Makes sense. Uh, so I think that, I don't know. I, I don't know. Something's weird. Last week, he looked great when he gave that speech. He only lost his place twice. Uh, he looked different from how, could be, 2% chance. Hey, what's up with the Central Intelligence Agency and their new generation of directors becoming social media stars? You know, when you're the CIA guy, aren't you supposed to be... uh discreet and kind of 
laconic and mysterious. Who was that guy back in the day? Who was that guy, the first one, with the glasses? Bundy? McGeorge Bundy? Was that his name? Um, You know, there was another guy. Uh, just They were like kind of larger than life, but very, very discreet. Very, very different kind of people. Uh, Alan Dulles, that was one. Um, and now, you know what they are? They're big. Oh, Stansfield Turner. Yeah, here's a guy. Um, John McCone. I think that's who I was thinking of. John McCone. And Colby, Richard Colby. These men were, a lot of them were veterans of World War II. They worked at the OSS, the Office of Strategic Services. And they kind of made the world world go round. You know, before 1975, it was actually legal for the uh, CIA to kill people overseas. <laughs> that was uh, that, that was actually formally outlawed by Gerald Ford in the mid-1970s. Before that, you could actually, I, you know what? I kind of want my CIA to be able to kill people overseas, don't you? Right? I mean, that's kind of, anyway, they made it a formality. Did they blow it off? I don't know. But we have a new generation of uh, jerk CIA directors like uh, John Brennan. Have you seen him? The guy with the ultimate, I mean, totally fatal case of Trump derangement syndrome. He truly hates Trump so bad that he will basically ruin America. He almost owns up to it. He's from New Jersey and he's so excited when he's the CIA director. You got to be, you got to be cool when you get a big job like that. They are so seduced by the bodyguards, those stupid SUVs they give them with the driver. They think they're so important. I got his book, and half of the book is him writing about his bodyguards and his great big SUV and how special he feels in this stupid thing. Well, you're going to lose it the moment you lose the job, so don't get too used to it. A lot of these, that's very amateurish. So, But he's like this loudmouth jerk, you know, social media warrior calling people names, the CIA director. And the same goes for Michael Hayden. He was a CIA director under uh, George W. Bush. You know, these idiots helped bring us the Iraq war. And one thing they love about Trump, it totally has distracted everybody today, history in general, historians, from documenting and noting their role in the worst and most avoidable war in the history of warfare, our invasion of Iraq. Those guys made it happen. Anyway, they're making fools out of themselves on social media. Michael Hayden just threatened to kill somebody, an American citizen who disagreed with him. Be right back. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, we were waiting any moment now for Joe Biden, and it's just going to be a few more minutes, uh, 2 o'clock. Why do we want to listen to Joe? Um, well, it's important. I want to see uh, just how bad he's going to be in this moment. I mean, and how is he going to dig himself out of this hole? I just... <laughs> 
I mean, he could not have made any worse decisions as president regarding Israel, regarding Iran, uh, Afghanistan, Ukraine, you name it. He's made this world a less safe place, far less safe place, created a huge mess. And in the uh, interim here, what do they do? Oh, Sunday night, he had a great big uh, barbecue. There was a barbecue at the White House. There's a war happening, a brand new war involving our dearest, most precious ally and our most fierce enemy, Iran, may be entering this war very soon. And he's having a barbecue with a bunch of who the hell were they? I don't know. But it was a barbecue in the Rose Garden. Um, Man, he is a sick and weird guy. So whenever he speaks, I do want to I do want to take it because uh, we can learn a lot. We can actually You read between the lines. You see, you know, how close we are to uh, his resignation or maybe invoca- invocation of uh, James Flippin. What's that amendment when the president is uh, the 20, 25th, 25th or the 22nd, 25th? It's the 25th. I think it's 25th. All right. That means if the president is nuts, uh, they can vote on it, uh, the cabinet, and then they got to get a lot of people in the Congress. I think two-thirds, they need like a majority of the cabinet and two-thirds of the Congress to have him removed because he's basically nuts. But that's kind of a big threshold. But people are talking about it. We're talking about it. James Slipin, how are you? Hey, Greg. Good. Uh, Good. What is happening? Well, I thought I'd bring this to your attention uh, concerning, obviously, the – you know, Israeli-Palestinian conflict, everything that's going on. There's a lot of people taking to social media and sharing their opinions on this. Uh, wait, sharing their opinions on? Uh, the ongoing war, you know, this this most recent attack by the Hamas terrorists and the uh, Israeli defense, you know, responding, all that kind of stuff. You want to see what I said? I mean, right when it happened? Can I? On Saturday? Yeah. You don't, you know, there are times where you don't, like, look to see what everybody is doing, you know, and that's what a lot of celebs do. As soon as I found out, which granted was late, because I was reading this stupid, stupid book by Cassidy Hutchinson, like all morning, I wasn't looking at the news. Was like, the the absolute horror we are seeing, the savages have taken Israeli women and children hostage. This is what happens when Biden gives the green light to Iran, when uh, and aligns, shoot, I got a great big typo in front of my big <laughs> manifesto here, and aligns with leftist lunatics. And America's military is not ready. Woke. Never under Trump. When? Oh, God. Well, this is what happens when Biden gives the green light to Iran. When? And I got two wins in there. Yeah, too many wins. Yeah. Shoot. That's all right. All right. Well, yeah, anyway. Typos what, happen on social media. But what are other people saying? So another prominent New Yorker, or at least former New Yorker, Amari, Star, Amari Stoudemire, who played for the Knicks for some years, um, he is actually a Israeli-American citizen. He moved to Israel some years ago. He started playing professional basketball there after his NBA days, and he actually converted to Judaism in the year 2020, I think it was, 2021 maybe. Converted so, from what? Do we know? Uh, he was raised as a Baptist, I believe. Um, so he, you know, through his mother, I guess, had some identification with the black Hebrew Israelites in the past and felt this connection to his, you know, what he saw as Jewish heritage and he converted to Judaism. So anyway, he's got some personal connection to Israel. And something you mentioned was something that I keyed in on with his comments where you talked about you didn't feel the need to kind of like wait to put your opinion out on Saturday. You wanted to make it clear how you felt about what you were looking well, at. Well, you know, not, not just for public consumption. I mean, you're sitting there in your living room. What can you do? Right. You know what I mean? What can you do? I, I It's kind of pathetic. You know, Ooh, somebody tweeted this. Somebody tweeted that. But whatever. It's what we got. 
and there's more to do. I know it's, but anyway, keep going. We've got some audio from Stoudemire here because that was sort of some of the, you know, part of his comments touched on that hesitancy to say things or, you know, not wanting to wait to say how he felt about the issue. I woke up, man, this morning with some disturbing news out of Israel that Hamas kidnapping children, putting them in cages, killing women, killing the elderly. That's some cowards. That's cowardly. And for all y'all Black Lives Matter who ain't saying nothing, well, let me figure out exactly what happened before I say anything. Figure out what? It ain't never been cool to kidnap kids and put them in cages. It ain't never been cool to kill women and, and elderly. Never been. No matter where you from, what you represent, what tribe you for, it don't matter. There ain't never been no cool. There ain't never been none that nobody supported. Well, I agree. Why is this uh, controversial, I guess, because he's black and he's coming out against Black Lives Matter? Potentially that. Uh, I think that there's also a lot of people who, you know, maybe they feel a certain type of way about just Israel in general and some of the, you know, the land disputes there and stuff like that. There's anti-Semitism all over the place, especially in Black Lives Matter. All right. Especially with the radical left and even the not so radical left. These are raging anti-Semites. They are absolutely everywhere. Quite frankly, there are some Jewish people who are anti-Israel, which totally boggles my mind. Totally. I, there's no, no, you can't. That may, uh, So, um, yeah, we're seeing it. We are seeing it. Those massive uh, demonstrations pro Hamas on American streets. It's disgusting. And Black Lives Matter now being revealed again. Some of us knew this all along. But, all right, so, uh, you know, in Hollywood, academia, the woke left, totally anti-Semitic. Totally. I, um, what? No, I'm not, I'm not really expressing any opinion. I'm just sort of looking at you and reacting to what you're saying. <laughs> you just like, don't you agree? That there's anti-Semitism in Hollywood? Uh, everywhere. In, it, it's, I'll say this much, right? From a news perspective and kind of having watched things over the last 10 years or so, it does seem as though the progressive left has much more anti-Israel, potentially you could call it anti-Semitism, than maybe there was in years prior. I, I think that that whole, um, you know, Palestinian-Israeli conflict for the large part was just kind of, you know, Americans supported Israel. That's changed, I think, over the last 10 Look, 15 here, years. Here's an example. MSNBC, all day long yesterday, they are conspicuously not calling um, a bunch of crazy gunmen showing up in makeshift uh, helicopters, gunning down people at a concert, women, young people. At a, they won't call that terrorism. Right. They're not calling. Yet, you know, the guy wears the funny hat to the Capitol on January 6th. He's a terrorist. And we must guard against democracy, and we must pursue these people and throw them in jail for 22 years. It's just totally insane. Um, that is, I'm so glad I'm free of it. You know, I'm free. Don't have to. Oh God, these poor. Oh gosh, I just. Uh, anyway, it's disgusting to me. And uh, Joe Biden, he's uh, he's playing footsie with those people, and so is Barack Obama. You notice he didn't put anything out until yesterday. Yesterday. Now, what do you make of that? I make it out that he's trying to send AOC and Elon Omar and Rashida Tlaib that I'm with you guys. He put that out in big ways and small when he was president. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty tough to make sense of the way the politics surrounding all this 
comes into play because I think even, you know, obviously we know Israel has to consider that, right? Like if they go in there and just carpet bomb Gaza, then they come off looking like the bad guys. And obviously that's not what they want because they want the innocent civilians to not be caught up in that. But I mean, depending on your perspective, uh, but it does make it challenging. I think if, if the Israeli officials need to consider politics, then obviously everybody else is too, I would guess. All right, so Amari Stoudemire said his piece, right? Is there anything else from him? No, that's he's still playing uh, b-ball. I don't think so. He was playing in Israel as recently as 2020, but I don't think he's been playing since then. All right, anything else we should know? Uh, Let's see. There's the Black Bear Hunt in New Jersey, Fire Prevention Week for the FDNY, Tom Swazi. Wait, 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 wait. Fire Prevention Week for isn't every week Fire Prevention Week? It's official. You know, they're they're raising awareness, putting out education. What I got? It's time to change my smoke alarm. uh, That is one batteries. Daylight savings time. That's when they say you should check your batteries on your uh, smoke detectors, or rather, when it when it's going bad. Whenever they change the clocks, so that's coming up next month. Oh, uh, all right. Fire prevention. Okay. Tom Wait. Swazi, former candidate for governor. He's running against uh, George Santos out in Long Island for the congressional seat. Uh, I like Tom, but I don't want him to win. I want a Republican in that seat. And there's a good Republican running as well. And the Patterson Police Department is suing the state of New Jersey because they took over the police department. Uh, what about that black bear thing you said? Oh, that's a black bear hunt in New Jersey. It's controversial because, you know, animal rights groups don't like it. They want non-lethal methods right. used. Wait, slow down. Wait, what? is happening with the black bears. There are black bears in New Jersey. There are. And what what's the problem with them? There are too many of them. Says who? Uh, says the Fish and Game and Wildlife Board. So they want people to hunt them? They've authorized a hunt that's been underway since yesterday. Oh, how long does it last? Through Saturday. And then they're doing another one in December. Saturday? From now until Saturday? That's pretty quick. Yeah, yesterday it started. They can use bow and arrow through tomorrow. And then you can use muzzle loaders starting on Thursday. You know, there's some things the government doesn't need to regulate. Whether I shoot the, if you tell me I can kill a bear, leave the rest to me, right? Bow and arrow. Well, you know, Governor Murphy wanted to outlaw bear hunts in New Jersey, but well, the- he has no business doing that. He has absolutely no business doing that. We've been hunting since ten thousand years ago, Governor Murphy. Uh, all right. And so you can, there's one brief shining moment. You can hunt bears. Pretty much, yeah, for a week. Don't they get in your trash and go in your garage and stuff like that? Yeah, they do, especially in more, you know, less developed areas. There's tons of black bears getting into people's trash and walking through their backyard. All right. Give us one more piece of information that we need. Uh, a piece of information that you need. How about. Jeez, you're really putting me on the spot here. I'm not really sure what I can. Why well, isn't all this oh, stuff? Oh, it's going to be really rainy this weekend. How about that? Another rainy weekend for the Tri-State. I knew that already. No. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, thank you very much. Hey, Thanks, do you know who uh, Victor Davis Hansen is? Did you get my clip from him? He is a super-duper brainiac. And I think everything he says, does, uh, writes, talks about, everybody should be watching very, very carefully. He is uh, hes the best guy in the world on this stuff. And I'm going to have him in a little bit. And I'm looking forward to hosting him. I do also have one piece of information that well, you should know. Mayor Adams got his booster shot today. No, I don't really care oh. or want to know about anything oh, like that. It. You guys, you in the media, not just you, but generally, all right, you treat him like this news making, like everything he does is somehow important or worthy of discussion. And it's not. It's not. He is such a fool. 
And what the hell does he know about medicine anyway? Seriously. So, you know, like the suggestion is since he got it, you're supposed to get it as well. Uh, he's just not that important enough. The guy, the job has been so shrunk by an intellectual midget like that. All right. He has no business being mayor. It is unbelievable. It is personally offensive to me that that sleaze is the mayor. It shows you just by, you know, it's not like we all voted for him either. Have you ever heard me go through this? Yeah. The 115,000 last day of school. 200,000 people voted on the last day of school. And presto changeo, he is somehow the mayor. Uh, Bad guy, thoroughly racist, doesn't know uh, how to govern, doesn't know politics. Just a bad guy. Mr. Show me the money. Hey, while you're there, this guy is who I was just talking about, Victor Davis Hanson. Just, and listen to what he's saying. It's very kind of obvious, but at the same time, it's like, Geez, it's so totally brilliant. Uh, he's a scholar, I believe, at the Hoover Institute at Stanford University. Go ahead. They don't have any popular support. Every single one of Joe Biden's issues, economy, crime, energy, foreign policy, the border, he's polling 30 or 40 percent. And uh, the only way they're retaining power is through the legal system and the administrative state and our institutions, media, entertainment, sports, uh, education k-12 through universities and it's kind of an artificial way of getting power without popular consent that's why i think you were right on when you said they don't believe in democracy in fact op-ed writers in the new york times will say that now that democracy is a flawed idea because it doesn't it doesn't any longer uh, ensure the result that they have to have like Good Bolsheviks or good Jacobins, they eventually always turn on elections. They don't want them. And so we'll see. It's going to be a very explosive. I hope everybody can keep their head because I think the next 12 to 18 months are going to be the most explosive in our history since the Great Depression. They don't. Victor Davis Hanson, that guy is an intellectual superstar, and uh, but you can totally understand him. You know what I mean? All right, wait, we're out of time. I shall return momentarily. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, Tony Blinken, everybody hates the guy now. Secretary of State, he is so bad, so wimpy, and so dishonest. Won't even acknowledge the basic intelligence failures. Uh, dismisses the whole idea that the money that we freed up uh, could have had anything to do with this. Uh, here he goes with his uh, typical, totally out of touch uh, and very weird demeanor as well. Go ahead. What do you say about the argument that money is fungible? So Iran may have known this money is coming and used other funds to help fund this attack that happened. Iran has, ha, Iran has unfortunately always used and focused its funds on supporting terrorism, on supporting groups like, uh, like Hamas. Uh, and it's done that when there have been sanctions. It's done that when there haven't been sanctions. And it's always prioritized that. And again, I come back to the proposition that from these funds have always been under the law, available to Iran to use for humanitarian purposes. All right. He is so wrong, so out of touch. The whole idea, if I have $1,000 and i got to budget accordingly, but all of a sudden I find out I'm getting another $1,000, well, that's going to affect my budget. That's going to affect my spending. Uh, John McCain Famously, although people forget, ripped Anthony Blinken as a threat to, uh, well, democracy back in 2014, blasted him as incompetent, unqualified, and a danger to national security 
I'm going to play those, uh, I'm going to play that in a little bit. It goes on and, uh, all right. So I haven't taken a phone call yet. Lauren, hello. You're in New Jersey. Hi, I'm going to give you the cliff notes on the raid in Entebbe. I already did uh, that, the, Lauren. No, no, you're, you're wrong. You, you got it wrong. Oh, it yeah? What did I get wrong? Air, Air France. It was Air France. It doesn't matter. I said I think it's El Al. Fine, it's Air France. I got the, you, I, no, I got the big picture stuff. You can't call up and say, oh, you got it all wrong. I did not get it all wrong. Air France versus El Al. I said I think it's El Al. But, it, okay, know, fine, you tell me it's Air France. I think I mentioned Greece. I think I mentioned Libya. I think I mentioned Uganda, right? Right so far, right? How do you know so much about Entebbe? Did you know that the airport was designed by an Israeli? What airport? The one that they raided. Well, that's different. Entebbe. I didn't say who, I, I didn't say anything about who designed the airport. I mean, quite frankly, I don't know what difference it makes, but I mean, you said I got stuff wrong. I mean, I got, what else did I get wrong? Well, they only had enough fuel to get there, over, and they didn't have enough fuel to get back. So if it hadn't worked, they'd all been dead. Well, also, I didn't say anything about that. So that's different from making a mistake. But listen, I do admire that you rep, re, remember uh, Entebbe, and uh, it's a re- it was a really cool operation. If they didn't have enough fuel to get back, uh, what did they do? How did they get back? Did they fuel up? Did they steal gas from uh, Uganda? They had to go quickly. They they dropped the they made the uh, the, the uh, cars look like uh, their cars. I said was, that. I said that. I put they put the Uganda flags up in front of the. Uh, they even brought a limo. I think. You know. You know what it reminds me of. And boy, oh boy, what a disaster it was. The raid to go get uh, our American hostages. An operation called Desert One. Similar, very complex. Remember, our hostages were all held in Tehran. So there was this joint operation to go get them. The Army, the Navy, the Marine Corps, the Air Force, they they had too many services involved, quite frankly. And it was too far away. They had to refuel in the desert. They had a prepositioned gasoline there somehow. Anyway, it was bad weather, and one helicopter crashed into a plane, and then they blew up, and they didn't have enough airplanes to get the hostages back, and... Just a disaster. How many servicemen do we lose? Like 12. And you know what the Iranians did? Those, I'm talking about the Islamic fascist nut jobs. Do you remember, Lauren? Do you remember what they did to our guys? Yes, I do. They, they, they put them on display, dead bodies, some of them charred in front of the embassy. They hung them in front. What is wrong with these people? It's not the civilized world. The Geneva Convention, anybody? I mean, good God. And they're always, we're always busting on America. We're the greatest country. Well, we were. We're about to lose it. Anyway, Lauren, uh, anything else? What, tell me about you. What's your deal? It was, a, it was, a, it was informational, not criticism. Well, I got a note here, and you said actually right off the top, you said you got a few things wrong. Yeah, well, well yeah. Well, I got the airline well, wrong, but everything else was pretty much right. I, I misspoke. Oh, my God. You've never misspoke? Well, yeah, yeah that's true. All right. Well, I accept your apology. All right. I'm, I gave you too much of a hard time. I apologize. Uh, well, anyway, you know, isn't there a movie about this? There are two movies about uh, Uganda that are good, right? It's better. There's one with Charles Bronson. It's okay. But the actual documentary is where they ran into the to the – to the the the, uh, the 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 rain and the, the the whole thing is amazing. And there's a uh, lady. How, how it, there's a lady who died there, a, an older Jewish woman, and I believe 
She was buried in Uganda, and believe it or not, they dug up her grave and they stole her remains. A real We talked about Jonathan Netanyahu. We'll talk about her next. Uh, Lauren, thank you. There's the music. I got to go. Uh, Biden, Sleepy Joe, is about to say something. Uh, we'll have it. Stay with us. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, so we're back. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of amazing. Sleepy Joe can still show his face pretending this is just a charade at this point. We all know this is not working. Resignation, right? It's necessary. It is totally necessary. He can't do the job. We all see it. Boy, I'm seeing some really nasty video out of, uh, out of the Middle East. Um, bad stuff. And I got a report here that dozens and uh, I can't even say it, but the most weak and vulnerable Israeli babies. Did they really do this? I can't think about it right now. You know, I have a, my goodness gracious, you know, I want my own babies. I just can't think about it. Um, all right. So remember that whole vaccine thing when they were saying you must get vaccinated or you could lose your job? Well, <laughs> that was a horrible. I Fortunately, I never had to deal with that. You know, it should be a choice. I'm all about the vaccine. Fine, if you want to get the vaccine, but it's up to you. Uh, it's not up to your uh, it's not up to your boss. It's not up to uh, Joe Biden. And this is interesting. This is the first world first major politician in the world apologizing to those that I think she personally forced to get vaccinated. Now, she's not exactly a household name. Her name is Danielle Smith, and she is the premier of Alberta, Canada. That's like a premier there is like a governor here. And Alberta, Canada, geographically at least, is huge. It's probably about the size of uh, half the United States. It's a huge province in Canada. Population probably (laughs) 500,000 or something like that. I will check. While she speaks, here she is apologizing for forcing that damn uh, vaccine into their arms up there. Go ahead. The community that faced the most restrictions on their freedoms in the last year were those who made a choice not to be vaccinated. I don't think I've ever experienced a situation in my lifetime where a person was fired from their job or not allowed to watch their kids play hockey or not allowed to go visit a loved one in long-term care or hospital, or not allowed to go get on a plane to either go across the country to see family or even travel across the border. So they have been the most discriminated against group that I've ever witnessed in my lifetime. That's a pretty extreme level of discrimination that we have seen. I don't take away any of the discrimination that I've seen in those other groups that you mentioned, but this has been an extraordinary time in the last uh, year in particular. And I want people to know that I find that unacceptable, that we are not going to create a segregated society on the basis of a, of a medical choice. Well, good for her, kind of late. But you contrast this to what Joe, has Joe Biden yet apologized? Remember how um, forceful he was and grouchy and mean, nasty about <laughs> a health choice, a health care choice. You know, anytime you... Uh, Tell anybody to take a, a medicine. You tell a, an entire country to take one medicine. I don't care if it's aspirin. A couple of people are going to die, right? There are people out there who are allergic to aspirin, not a lot, but some. And if you mandate that everybody in America takes one, now you could say, well, so many more, a lot of more lives are going to be saved by this, uh, by the vaccine. Maybe. Actually, at that time, you didn't have the data to back that up. Um, but 
I don't know if I want to take that risk. I don't want to play the lottery every time I take a shot. Here's Joe Biden back. Uh, let's see. This is early 2021. Yelling and screaming. Well, pretty much. Just listen to his tone. Uh, go ahead. My message to unvaccinated Americans is this. What more is there to wait for? What more do you need to see? We've made vaccinations free, safe, and convenient. The vaccine is FDA approval. Over 200 million Americans have gotten at least one shot. We've been patient, but our patience is wearing thin. And your refusal has cost all of us. So please do the right thing. But just don't take it from me. Listen to the voices of unvaccinated Americans who are lying in hospital beds, taking their final breath, saying, if only I'd gotten vaccinated. Did anybody actually say that? Our patience is wearing thin. Our patience is wearing thin. It's not up to this is they want authoritarianism. They want to be in control. Adam, hello. How are you? How are you doing today, sir? Good. Uh, you know, I was reading the Bible, man, the Old Testament. I, I went over this before. Yeah, and, you um, called us yesterday, and you're saying, like, Israel is getting what it, I don't know, man. I, I thought about that last night. I really wasn't digging what you were saying, as I hopefully made clear. Um, I like you, but I, I don't, I'm not cool with that interpretation um but what else did you did you think about it yeah i mean you know i'm not saying israel's getting what they deserve i'm not that i'm not saying that at all it's horrific what's going over there let me tell you that part real quick okay but when you read the old testament and 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 and, and god put these people in power and they sinned against him he was angry at them and then something happened to them i'm like wow man you know Maybe I'm reading it wrong or comprehending it wrong. Maybe I can get some help with that, sir. All right, listen, man. I don't know what you, I mean. Look, uh, <laughs> Israel is the promised land. Okay, uh, you read the part about Egypt. Did you read all that stuff that happened there? And beautiful yeah. Moses and what he went through and Joseph and all that stuff. Look, I'm not a theologian. I don't have it all sorted out. I'm like a kid when it comes to the Bible in many ways, all right? If you want somebody to quote it and tell you exactly what it means, I can't do that. I can do some – I mean, I can just tell you this. It changed my life, and it made everything easier um, and, and, and better, and I'm still baffled that I screw up routinely, even though I've been shown the way. Uh, and I know as clear as I'm sitting here right now that God exists and Jesus is a son. I know all that stuff. Uh, and it's amazing, but, um, you know, look, good luck on your journey, Adam. I mean that. Um, but I, I, I'm not interpreting <laughs> and look at what's happening right now. You can't tell me that this was sanctioned by God. Now I understand nothing can happen without, you know, he can stop anything. Uh, he works in mysterious ways, but Israel is not at fault here. All right. Israel did nothing wrong. You know, did America, you want to evaluate what America was doing on uh, September 10th, 10th, 2001? Did we somehow bring that attack on ourselves? No. All right. These are savages. All right. And they have a twisted and warped view of the world and of God. So that's how I feel about it. Adam, before we go, what do you do out there in Mineola? Well, I. Huh? 
Say it I'm again. a bus driver at JFK Airport, John F. Kennedy Airport, International Airport yeah. in Queens. Yeah. I'm a bus driver. Bus you, driver. I got you. I got you. You do you drive around the airport like letting people off at different terminals? All day. Yes, sir. Well, yes, good, sir. good for you. And you know what? How how often do you guys get tips? Well, I get tips once in a while to keep it real because, you know, I help people that I'm not even supposed to do that, but I help them anyway with their bags. and They got people to do that, but I still help them, no. the elderly or whatever. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Good for you. I do feel like uh, you guys are very tippable. You should be tipped, but, you know, since it's a gray area, you know, you're not exactly a taxi driver, so they don't necessarily – it's not custom to tip the bus driver – but I think, you know who does that? I noticed that the flight attendants often tip you guys. Ferrant, right? No. Okay. I don't really get flight attendants. They got their own service. Like, All they right. got chauffeurs that come and pick them up. All right. I want to say one thing. Okay. Uh, let's keep it real. Now, Israel done made deals with the, the, the UAE, Qatar, Egypt. Well, the, Abra- the, Arabia. The, the Abraham Accords, uh, they made those. Yeah, I mean, we do want peace in the Middle East, right? We want normal, we don't want bad things to happen. Countries talking to countries, that's a good thing, right, Adam? Yes, but they didn't make peace with the Palestinians in their backyard, sir. You know, the Palestinians, Hamas and Hezbollah in the West Bank and in uh, the Gaza Strip, right? They don't want peace. They don't want a two-state solution. These are anti-Semites. They want Israel gone. They want to def- to eliminate Jewish people. All right, this is not. You can't make peace with that. You can, you. How do you make? You know, were the Jews supposed to make peace with Hitler somehow as he was trying to exterminate them? No. So that's what I would. Uh, that's how I. Uh, that's how I describe that situation. Adam, thank you. Good luck uh, at the airport. Let's do one more as we wait for Joe Biden to uh, get his act together here. Um, Ari in Brooklyn. Ari in Brooklyn. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Hi, Greg. Uh, so when the uh, modern Middle East uh, was created, uh, the uh, countries that still exist, they were created after World War One, the breakup of the Turkish Empire. You know, the, those countries are still in existence. The borders are almost all the same and uh, the same populations. And uh, the uh, Arab populations were given 98% of the land area of the Middle East that created Syria, Iraq, Jordan, Saudi Arabia. And two countries were created as haven countries after the Holocaust against the Christian Armenians in Turkey during World War I. That was Lebanon was to be a Christian enclave to protect Christians in the Middle East and British Palestine was created as a Jewish enclave. Name Palestine. There wasn't a Palestinian population that was that generally identified itself as Palestinian, and so uh, uh, international law gave uh, ancient Judea, which includes the West Bank, to the Jewish population as a haven state after in nineteen uh, about nineteen twenty twenty one, and so the West Bank in international law. That's why Israel has the right in international law from that time, and this is the same international law that created all the borders from the League of Nations all the way from Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, all Eastern Europe, all through the Middle East, same international law, all those countries exist today. The only one that's being tried to be wiped out is Israel, and it was created as a haven state, and it was called Palestine. Up until 
uh, about 1964 when the PLO, which was named, uh, which was created to uh, not be a liberation organization of the people, but All right. to liberate the All land. Right. So it goes way, way, way back in Israel. I mean, it's 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 their it's it's their it's their home, right? In international law, including the West Bank, that's what gives Israel the authority from the League of Nations mandate, British mandate of Palestine. Why Why is it that the West Bank, there doesn't seem to be as much of a problem uh, with the West Bank as there is with Gaza? Why is that? That's uh, because uh, Hamas, uh, Gaza, which was uh, a, a very fertile, the, the nicest area in the eastern Mediterranean uh, was Gaza. But a, a, a policy, political policy of population explosion and keeping people in uh, for three generations in what are called calling them refugees when the three generations have been born in Gaza uh, and the U- United Nations maintaining that farce. So Gaza has become super overpopulated when it was a garden spot of the eastern Mediterranean due to uh, what we could say is the uh, uh, leading uh, group there, the same group of terrorists. And that has uh, kept uh, uh, the population of Gaza. All right. As a A lot of information there, Ari. I appreciate it. Uh, We are moments away from Joe Biden taking the the stage. What room is he in? That looks like the east, the east room. No, the map room of the White House. He comes out. I can't believe it. Can't believe we have to pretend that this guy's the president. But uh, this could be interesting. All right. Words matter and uh, should be happening by the time we get back. Be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Hamas attackers are animals, but the real culprit here is Iran. I think it is long past time for the United States to put Iran on notice that you have killed and destroyed enough that you're going to pay a price. Lindsey Graham, Republican of South Carolina, United States Senator. Sure, he can be very swampy. Sure, he can be rather two-faced at times, but sometimes he's just awesome. All right? Here, I think he's great. On a lot of foreign policy, he totally gets it. Um, On Trump, (laughs) it depends upon what day. It depends upon what day. But, yeah, enough with this, Iran. How can they (laughs) – they're funding terrorism all over the world. How can we do How can we trust them? Why do we even talk to them? You know, talk to the talk to the tanks. Maybe. Oh, here's Joe Biden. Joe Biden. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Leadership. Here we go. All right. Turn it up. This is uh, we go to the White House now live. A group whose stated purpose for being is to kill Jews. This is an act of sheer evil. More than 1000 civilians slaughtered. I just go slaughtered in Israel. Among them, at least 14 American citizens killed. Parents butchered using their bodies to try to protect their children. Stomach-turning reports of babies being killed. Entire families slain. Young people massacred while attending a musical festival to celebrate peace. To celebrate peace. Women raped, assaulted, paraded as trophies. Families hid their fear for hours and hours, desperately trying to keep their children quiet to avoid drawing attention. And thousands of wounded, alive but carrying with them the bullet holes and the shrapnel wounds and the memory of what they endured 
You all know these traumas never go away. There's still so many families desperately waiting to hear the fate of their loved ones, not knowing if they're alive or dead or hostages. Infants in their mother's arms, grandparents in wheelchairs, Holocaust survivors abducted and held hostage. You know, we know all this, and I don't like the way he's talking, to be honest. He's always telling ghost stories, always doing this thing. It's like a funeral director. He, he, he thrives off of this. Turn it back up, though. His bloodthirstiness brings to mind the worst, the worst rampages of ISIS. This is terrorism. But sadly, for the Jewish people, it's not new. This attack has brought to the surface painful memories and the scars left by a millennia of anti-Semitism and genocide. You think he's going to blame MAGA? Watch. So in this moment, we must be crystal clear. We stand with Israel. Yeah, finally. We stand with Israel. And we will make sure Israel has what it needs to take care of its citizens, defend itself, and respond to this attack. As soon as you finish arming no Ukraine, right. For terrorism. There's no excuse. Hamas does not stand for the Palestinian people's right to dignity and self-determination. The state of purpose is the annihilation of the state of Israel on the murder of Jewish people. Uh, guess what? Uh, a lot of people who are not in Hamas feel the same way, and they're supporting Hamas. Don't make, it's not so cut and dry, Joe. No regard to who pays the price. The loss of innocent life is heartbreaking. All right, here he goes again. I mean, uh, the funeral director stuff and uh, laying it on. He should have done this two days ago. That's why I'm annoyed, all right? Two days of silence, one thing. All right, we'll stay on this. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Faced. They were facing. We walked outside in that uh, that sort of hallway outside. He's talking about talking at Golda Meir 50 years ago. She looked at me all of a sudden and said, would you like to have a photograph? And so I got up and followed her out. We're standing there silent, looking at the press. She could tell, I guess, I was concerned. She leaned over and whispered to me. She said, don't worry, Senator Biden. We have a secret weapon here in Israel. My word is what she said. We have no place else to go. We have no place else to go. For 75 years, Israel has stood as the only guarantor of the security of Jewish people around the world so that the atrocities of the past could never happen again. Let there be no doubt, the United States has Israel's back. We will make sure the Jewish and Democratic State of Israel can defend itself today, tomorrow, as we always have. It's as simple as that. These atrocities have been sickening. We're with Israel. Let's make no mistake. Thank you. What was your reaction? And there he goes, running away, no questions asked. Where was that kind of conviction uh, yesterday or the day before? Huh? What? <laughs> um, what did he say? Here's the thing: he he warned other 
powers, other countries, if they're thinking about getting involved and exploiting this moment, what does he say? Don't. Don't. I have one word for you, Iran. Are you ready? Don't. It actually needed three words. Don't. Or else. Okay? There had to be a threat there. There had to be something. Anyway, he talked in the most ghoulish way about what is happening there in an exploitive way, which he has been known to do. Um, reiterated our support for Israel, but totally ignoring, well, he set the conditions for this to happen. All right? This nonsense with Iran, the defeat in Afghanistan, the defeat in Afghanistan, what happened there? And all those people running on the runway, desperate to get out, falling off the airplane, uh, helicopters pulling our people out desperately. Um, it just showed that we're not a serious player anymore under uh, under Joe Biden. So, well, that was pretty much a disastrous, but pretty much what I thought. And, yeah, his eyes are disappearing. What's up with the slits? I mean, it's not like he gave this speech in a, you know, outdoor, you know, High noon, sun blazing down. He's indoors, but he's got these little slits for eyes. There's something going on, something uh, really strange. All right. So MSNBC taking heat for their uh, very, very anti-Semitic uh, coverage. Uh, Terry in New Jersey, yes. Yes. Uh, hello, Greg. I just wanted to say that Adam is a very, very thinly disguised anti-Semite. He makes a, a, allegedly a theological argument that it's God. it was God's intent to punish the Jews. So by extension of that, Adam would also accept the Holocaust as God's uh, punishment uh, to the Jews back in the, you know, from 1939 forward. So that that's where he was coming. Yeah, you know, I had my uh, suspicions and I tried to, you know, uh, set him straight. And I don't tolerate that kind of stuff. I can't read his mind. I can't figure out what's in his heart. Uh, yeah, the things I like about Adam. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, that, that, that crossed my mind. Is this where this guy is going? Is this what he's saying? You know, uh, yeah. All right. So, Adam, be careful, uh, you know, you know, rethink things. OK. All right. Come on. Come on, Adam. You're better than that. All right, don't fall prey to this hatred. Terry, uh, I thank you for that. You good otherwise? Yes, I am. Everything's well. All right, excellent, sir. Thank you very much. Uh, you know who was over the shoulder of Joe when he was speaking? Kamala Harris looking at him. I mean, she really looks more like a Secret Service agent than a vice president. You know what I mean? There's something, uh, and she really affixes herself to Joe. You know, she feels comfortable hanging around him because she looks good in comparison. That's part of it. Great big uh, write-up in the New York Times about her. Yeah, I glanced at the New York Times. And um, she is, they actually write, I didn't read the whole story, but yeah, they admit she's striking out left and right. She doesn't know how to read a room. She gives a crummy speech. But the first thing the writer noticed is she's at Europe at some conference, and he's bemoaning the fact that the audience she's speaking to is mostly white and mostly male, as if that's part of the problem, right? Is that part of the problem? You know, when you say that, the whole implication is that other people have been kept out, right? That we have uh, that discrimination or prejudice have kept people out of the room. And I don't accept that. I don't accept that. And I point out that, you know, most of my the key enemies I have had in my life and I've had everybody has enemies, right? But they've been basically uh, white Christian men. Okay, that doesn't mean 
white Christian men are bad uh, because they've uh, been my enemies, right? And that's I just don't like that. I hate this thing about people and what they look like and the gender and all that stuff. Um, what else is going on? I don't know why, but I'm kind of obsessed with this Cassidy Hutchinson story. I'll go into a little bit more detail. She says her father is like this crazy hillbilly and who's borderline abusive. And I don't believe it. I do not believe it. I looked into this guy. I checked him out. He seems like a totally decent guy. And I think to sell a book or to write a crummy story, you have to write something. Nobody actually reads these books. I'm reading the book. And I'm finding all kinds of crazy, weirdo mistakes. And her handwriting, the handwriting, if if I can prove this, and I believe I can, she is she lied not only to the American people, but everybody who put down 30 bucks for this book, she claims to have written an important note that was sent to the president on January 6th. Uh, everybody who is, it's a draft for a tweet and it's written, everybody who entered the Capitol illegally must leave immediately. And anybody in the world can look at this. You don't have to be an FBI handwriting analyst. You can take one look at it and you know that this was written by a man. All right. It was written by, well, Eric Hirschman, a lawyer for Donald Trump. He says, this is my handwriting. This is a note. He explains the circumstances, why he wrote it, where he wrote it, when he wrote it. And this is his handwriting. Everybody can recognize that it's his handwriting. And Cassidy, Cassidy Hutchinson, because she's trying to make herself out to be more important than she is, claims, I think in a moment of confusion, that it was her handwriting. Not knowing what she was saying is her handwriting. Now she is actually standing by that story. Uh, I'm looking at this. There's no way a woman wrote it yet. You know what I'm talking about, right? The star January 6th witness who gave all this uh, groundbreaking information really wasn't that groundbreaking. In America, it's legal to throw a plate at the wall if you're mad. Uh, what else is it legal to do in America? Um, you're allowed to have an argument with a Secret Service agent. You're allowed to yell and scream. Okay, you're allowed to do these things. That's all she really said to the January 6th committee. But since she did it in that silly white suit, since she had a tan, since she was uh, above average attractive, everybody swooned, including conservative media. I'll never forget Chris Wallace and Brett Baer just falling all over themselves, praising this, uh, this basically a gossip, an intern who's a gossip. And she provided nothing of substance, nothing of value. But she looked good doing it. And so now there's the Cassidy Hutchinson industry. So she wrote a book and she just badmouths her father left and right. She says at one point, I mean, she basically accuses him of child abuse. She's 15 years old and she's in her house and like it's a sleepover night. And her mom, her parents are divorced. Her mom is uh like at the Jersey Shore and her dad lives a few miles away and she starts having really severe pains. And she calls her mom. She says, well, you call your dad. And so she calls her dad and she makes him out to be the worst, like crazy cave dweller hillbilly in the world. And he says, well, if you got pain, uh, why don't you hop in the pickup and come to see me and you can pick up, pick out the pocket knife and I'll do the surgery right here, right here on my table. And she's like, oh, dad. And she hangs up and then she goes to the hospital where they perform an emergency appendectomy. Now, I looked at this guy. I looked at his Facebook page. I know he's normal. I know he's not like that. 
And why is this person such a deadbeat? She's so desperate for money. It's very weird. I know people have money problems. I've had money problems in the past. There's something very, very, I'm not done with the book, but there are little things that just set me off. I guess it was the, oh, she interns, you know, she, she thinks that democracy is hanging by a thread in America, right? And Donald Trump is this pressing uh, threat to democracy and, and all this, you know, all this propaganda that you've heard before. And MAGA is a dangerous movement now in the January Sixers. Well, she was actually interning for Steve Scalise, who was gunned down by that Bernie Sanders supporter and uh, just totally blows off the political connection. She says, Steve Scalise, the man she was interning for was uh, shot by a gunman. Nothing about the political motivation, just a gunman. The other thing, she's given the opportunity of a lifetime to represent the chief of staff to the president of the United States at a special event in Las Vegas with President Trump. All right, she's going with President Trump. Her boss, Mark Meadows, can't go. Mark Meadows says to her, according to the book, I need you to go, Cassidy. I trust you. You can do this job for me. What does she do? According to the book, she goes with uh, Kaylee McEnany and Alyssa Griffin. And what do they do? They get drunk in a hotel room, watch movies all night long, and show up hungover the next day for the event with the president. What a way to represent the chief of staff. And she doesn't say, she's not like, you know, this is not critical. She's like, oh, we had a great time. Well, something tells me they didn't stay in the room watching movies. All right. I think there was a lot of other things going on there. I do believe the part where she says she showed up hungover. And she's always saying, oh, I, this was public service, public service, public service. I don't think this was public service. I, I, somebody who goes to work for a politician, that's not, that's not like being a police officer, okay? That's not like <laughs> becoming a teacher. That's because you like politics and you want, and, and you're drawn to power. There's a big difference between that and public service. Rob in the Bronx, hello. Uh, hey, Greg, thanks. Um, uh, addressing um, Adam's comments about God punishing Israel, that they do these uh, wars and attacks and stuff. Um, there's a Bible concept that's, uh, when you're studying the Bible, that's known as rightly dividing the word of truth. So in the Old Testament, God would use other nations to, to come against Israel as a, a means of punishment and correction. For All right, their Rob, do you agree with Adam? Do you basically agree with Adam? No, no, I don't. Right. I'm going somewhere else. I'm going completely different with that. We're not under the law program today. We're under the grace program. So God's dispensing grace to, to nations, to Israel, to, to individuals. He's not punishing, doling out punishments according to the Old Testament uh, a pattern. That was the that was how he dealt with Israel in the past. So so when people make those kind of comments, they're not rightly dividing the word of truth. So so that's the point that I wanted to make. Rob in the Bronx, thank you. Stand by because Maureen wants to say something about these very this very same thing. Hey, Maureen, I'm getting very self conscious now. Did I handle that guy appropriately? Look, I don't pretend to be a theological expert. All right, I mean I do what I can. Uh, I believe Maureen. Uh, hi. Hi. We're all a work in progress. Now, I know this man went back to Moses and, and Jacob and everybody else, uh, but don't forget the evil one is always lurking. You can't you can't put him on the sidelines, you know? Uh, it's not God that's, that's doing this to these people. The evil one is always infiltrating, you know? That's right. That's- the devil is everywhere, right? He rule. They actually, I was surprised by this. They say he rules the world in the Bible. Is that true? Mm, I don't know. 
know about that. I'm still a work in progress. All right. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. There's so much to learn. Uh, so much to learn. And, uh, hey, we're going to, I want to re-rack that thing. What he said, um, Biden, just a little while ago, one word to the, to anybody thinking about harming Israel, don't, he says, don't, just don't. One word, don't. You know, it reminds me of Obama. Remember the red line in Syria, right? The red line, no chemical weapons, right? Or else, right? Remember what he told to Putin? He said, cut it out. <laughs> Remember Kamala Harris, uh, what, what she said to people in South America and Central America thinking about coming to America? Do not come. Do not come. So we have, let's see, do not come. Cut it out. Don't. <laughs> this is just doesn't, this doesn't cut it. This doesn't cut it. You can tell all kinds of, uh, you know, stories about sorrow and tragedy, Joe, but, uh, uh, you, we, uh, desperately, desperately need leadership. We desperately need Trump. And can't you feel it? Can't you feel it? Talk about biblical. It's <laughs> trying to take this man down with everything they got and it's not working. He's only getting bigger and better. Wow. Give me a moment. Thank you. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, so I'm getting uh, texts and messages from my Christian friends all over the place. Second uh, Corinthians four uh, four. Let's see here. The minds of the unbelievers. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. All right. Second Corinthians. Uh, I will. Uh, I will think on that. Thank you very much. Oh, Trump. August 17th of 2023, right when that $6 billion was unfrozen. What did he say would happen? Go ahead. Crooked Joe Biden just agreed to pay a $6 billion ransom to the Iranian dictatorship in exchange for hostages. This is yet another Biden surrender and a further blistering humiliation of the United States of America to the world stage. But even worse, this decision will be extremely deadly. Biden is giving $6 billion to the world's leading state sponsor of terrorism. Just as when Obama sent the Iranian regime pallets of cash for hostages in the dark of night, remember, plane loads of cash, Biden's ransom payment will be immediately used to stoke violence, bloodshed, and mayhem throughout the Middle East and all around the world, costing countless innocent lives. It's also guaranteed that the fanatical Iranian regime will use this money to advance their nuclear weapons program, putting Israel, the United States, and the entire world in very grave peril. They are reportedly just weeks away from a nuclear bomb, something which would have never happened under the Trump administration. Damn right. (laughs) He just gets it every single time. All right, we have to wrap up here in a moment, but uh, yikes, I'm seeing some really, really tough images from over there, these guys, Hamas, he messed with the wrong country again. Some of their buildings totally pulverized, and they brought this on themselves. Innocent women and children. Innocent women and children. Gosh, war is hell, uh, only as a last resort. You got that, Paul Wolfowitz? You got that, George W. Bush? You got that, Dick Cheney? All you guys who never broke a sweat in your lives? And brought this country all the way halfway around the world to invade a country that may have been uh, not a great place, not a great guy, but they never did anything to us. All right. They 
what, invaded Kuwait? We took care of that 30 years ago, 15 years prior. What the hell? What the hell? You know, and they're out there. And one of the reasons why they're so anti-Trump, they think it absolves them of their hideous misjudgment, gross miscalculation, and quite frankly, miscalculation that's too generous. I think they were lying. WMD. All right, let's do this real quick. Uh, Chris, yeah. Craig, I, I've been on hold in the car since before I called in. Did did when when Biden was done speaking, did he actually just turn around and walk away? Yes. Another one of those. Yeah. Took no questions. All right. right. And as you're probably aware, right, for the last two days he ducked. He was nowhere seen. Yesterday, he, they, what he said, he called a lid at eleven thirty in the morning. He had he had two days to prepare, and he was one p.m. today. And at at two twenty, he had still not yet spoken. At what point do we put a stop to this? At what point do even even the press that you're breaking up, pal? Yeah, I know it's totally pathetic. He's got to uh, resignation. Jill Biden apparently is uh, doesn't want him to budge. You know, they want to keep the power um, no matter what. But this is uh, yeah, we can't. This is an illusion. We can't keep it up. Hey, somebody told me, and I don't know why I didn't figure out figure it out earlier. Obama was the one who handpicked Kamala Harris. And I'm like, yeah, that makes total sense. You know, in 2014, he showed up in California when she was the attorney general and was drooling all over her. Seriously, literally drooling all over her. They may have hooked up. I'm not sure. But he actually had to apologize because he objectified her so much. He was talking about her butt. He did it in a uh, private setting, semi-private, a fundraiser. So there were no cameras but he was talking about her body and he was talking about what he wanted to do and really, really crude, over the top stuff. Um, and who knows what happened? I mean, that's what he was saying, uh, in front of people. What was he saying to her in private, you know? So anyway, it makes a lot of sense. Kamala Harris, he liked her. Joe had no, they had, they couldn't stand her and she yelled and screamed and called Joe Biden a racist right to his face. Just horrible stuff. Uh, and we got to think about that real. Real closely. Oh, how about that? The National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan. This guy has the nerve to show his face in public. How wrong can one guy be? All these people still in business after Afghanistan. Hmm? Um, all right. Anyway, more accountability uh, in America in general. And you intel guys, pay attention. <laughs> 